Hey, when have you felt fully alive? I'm not like check your pulse to make sure you're still alive and breathing alive. I mean like heart racing, adrenaline surging, eyes wide open, you're breathing faster, excited, thrilled to be alive in that moment, alive. Like riding a bike down a hill as a kid and you're not sure you're going to be able to stop at the bottom. Somebody talked you into going to poke the bull and you're sprinting for the fence as fast as you can alive. Asking someone out on a date and they said yes. Uh, that first date, that um, you know, that time, the day you got married, your first child, the, all those moments where you just know this is what I was made for. I'm just so engaged in this moment. I just don't want to miss a thing alive. I know for me, there's moments in my life, like uh, as a pastor, where just when I'm saying something or teaching something, and I see later that it's really helped somebody move forward in their faith towards God, I just feel like this is what I was made to do. Maybe for you, there's some spiritual moments in your life where you just felt awake and aware and alive to God. Like maybe for you, it was accepting Christ, being baptized. Maybe there's just a conversation somebody had with you that really moved you forward in your faith. There's just so many moments where we live and we just realize this is what I was made to do. And at the same time, we all know that some of those high points in our lives aren't where we can't constantly live. It can't be one adrenaline surge after another. We all have the ups and downs. But if you're someone who loves to live, today's awakening is for you. I've been going through this series. We've been looking at a story that Jesus told. We call it the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. And it's been the undergirding for this last five weeks where we've talked about coming home to God. And Jesus told this story to make it very clear that the heart of God the Father is for people, wherever they are and whatever they've done, to come back home to him. The story that Jesus told is a very simple one. It's one they made up, but it really rings true to life. He told about a father who had two boys. The younger son went to his dad very disrespectfully and dishonorably said, Dad, I want my portion of the inheritance now. Kind of like saying, Dad, just drop dead. His father graciously went ahead and gave his son his portion of the inheritance. His son went off to a distant country where he just squandered it all on wild living, completely living a lifestyle that his dad never brought him up to, to live. Well, that kid hit rock bottom, ran out of options, ran out of money, ran out of friends, and was just about to starve to death when he finally, Jesus says in the story, came to his senses. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 15, 17. When he finally came, home, came to his senses, it says he returned home to his father. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Hey, today we're talking about an awakening to life, an awakening to the celebration that happens when there's restoration. And through this series uh, that was first developed by Dave and John Ferguson, uh, who, by the way, are two pastors who've had a lot of experience helping people find their way back to God, we realized that what Jesus tells this story, there are a series of awakenings or aha moments that that son went through as he realized the smartest thing he could do would be go back home to his father. And these correspond to awakenings that we often have in our lives if we've been distant from God and find ourselves moving back toward him. Just think of them almost like invitations from God to get your attention, to draw you back home to him. In the very first week we talked about, there was like an awakening to longing, just a sense that I really think that there could be more to life than I'm experiencing. I wish that there was more. 
which then leads to the next awakening. The next week we talked about an awakening to regret. Just that sense that I wish I could have a do-over. I wish I could start over again because if I could, there's a whole lot of things that I've done and said or things that I haven't that I wish I could change, which then leads to another awakening, the awakening to help. That aha moment when you realize that you've hit rock bottom or you see it coming up fast and you realize there's nothing you can do on your own to change that, that you're going to need help. And the awakening there is so, uh, so helpful because you realize I need help and it's there for me. It leads to the next awakening, the realization that there is love, that the heart of the Father is love, and that he can help you and do things that you can't do on your own, that he's waiting to embrace you. And now today we're looking at the final awakening, an awakening to life, just the realization that I chased these things and I thought this would be so enjoyable, this would make my life so fulfilling, but it didn't. But now there is another kind of life, and this what the Father offers, this is life, this is living. So and I guess the question we have as we think about this today is, how do you find your way back home to God? I mean, when you're lost, you can always stop at a gas station and ask for directions. Is that what you do? Do you like go to QT? Speaking of which, if you know me for any time at all, you know I'm a huge fan of Quick Trip. I love that place. How can they go wrong when they've got Diet Fountain Mountain Dew? All of their sodas are amazing. They've got the QT kitchen. They hire amazing employees with great attitudes. If you've ever been to QT, you know the QT patter. You go up to the counter, right? They're like, find everything you need, boss. Anything else? You need a bag with that? Receipt? Have a great day. It's just the same thing over and over, but it's amazing. Somebody said, man, I went to QT. There was a line of two people. Suddenly, 17 employees just materialized. And uh, you know, they did my taxes for me, and they cleaned my car, and they gave me directions to the next place I was going. I didn't even tell them where I was going. <laughs> you know, it's the same way with God. When you just start opening your mind even to the possibility that there is a God, whether you believe him or not, just to be open to the idea that he might be there, you're going to suddenly find new things occurring to you that have never occurred before, that maybe there is a possibility that you can start over, that maybe there is someone who truly cares about your life and can change things that you can't change on your own. This is awakening to life. I love how Pastor Dave Dumit puts it. He said, maybe you found yourself and you've been moving through life but there's not a whole lot of life moving through you. When you have that realization that you wish there was something more, what a great realization to follow that up with, to realize, yes, there is something more. Because life with your heavenly Father, so many of us who have found this can tell you this is true. It's far beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. You know, there's a prayer that we've been talking about every week that it goes with each awakening. And there is certainly a prayer that you can pray for this week. I just want to introduce you to it now and you can be thinking about it. The prayer that accompanies the awakening to life is simply this. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the confidence that with you, I can have a brand new life. I want to take you to some words that Jesus said talking about life. If you were to go over to, in your Bible, the Gospel of John chapter 10, listen to what Jesus taught about himself and about finding life. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. Now, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Now, this is interesting. When Jesus says, 
I've come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. What does he mean there? Does he mean, like, I'm going to give you more life than you already have? Or is he offering a completely different kind of life? And this is why I say this is interesting. The New Testament of the Bible was originally written down in Greek. It was a language that everybody in the world spoke at that time. So when the gospel writer is recording Jesus' words here, in Greek, there were actually two different words that you could choose for life. We translate them both into life in English. But, uh, and you may find these words sound familiar. It's because we get two other English words from them. When Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, he could have either said, I've come that they would have bios or zoe. You know, we get biology and zoology from them. But they mean two different things and they have different nuances. Bios life is it's the quantity of your life. It's how many hours did you sleep last night? Uh, how many calories are you burning per day? Uh, how many days have you sat in traffic in your lifetime? That's, that's the bios life. It's just the ordinary day-to-day stuff. Zoe has a, a little bit of a different nuance. Zoe life is more about the quality of your life. So what do you think Jesus said here when he said he came to give us life? Did he offer us just more hours in the day? Nope, you've probably guessed it already. He offers Zoe life, a completely different quality of life. Um, it's not that Jesus just wants to give you more hours in your day. He wants to give you more, uh, you know, life in full, more life in your days. And by the way, if you go back to the story that Jesus told about the son who went off, at the beginning of the story, it says the father divided the inheritance among his sons. He literally said he divided his bios between the two boys. He divided his life. But at the end of the story, when the young man has gone off and wasted his life and come back home and the father is so excited and the father says, this is why we're going to celebrate because he was lost, but he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. The father there uses the variation of the word zoe. You know, he took off with all my bios, my material stuff, but he's come back and now I'm offering him a real life, a zoe life. It's just a fascinating thing. I want to listen to Jesus again challenge us on the, our ideas of life versus his idea of life. If you go over to a different gospel, Matthew, you find Jesus sharing these words as well. This is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, you can only enter God's kingdom, God's life, through the narrow gate. I'm going to stop there for a second. Remember, Jesus and John told everybody, I am the gate. Jesus is the gate. So he's talking about himself. You can only enter God's kingdom, his life through the narrow gate, Jesus. Now, the highway to hell is broad, and that gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, when I listen to Jesus' words here, and he says it's very difficult to find the way to life, I want you to know this, and I want to be very clear about this. This is not like you have to have an exceptional IQ, be a really spiritual person, be able to jump 15 feet in the air. It's not like it's hard because it's difficult and only a few people have that talent. It's just simply hard because everything around you in life is going the opposite way from God. It just seems like if you go with the flow of everyone around you, do what everybody else is doing, go with culture and the the conventional wisdom, you're going to find yourself going in the wrong way. In order to turn to life, to turn to Jesus, it's going to be more difficult because people just aren't seeking it out. You're going against the flow. You're going against what everybody's always taught you. Few people are actually seeking Jesus out. Few people actually consider that he might have something to share about what life is really like. I think of it this way. When Jesus says there's two ways to go, have you seen those people moving sidewalks at the airport? Maybe you've been on one before. It's a way to get down the walkways a little bit faster. 
I think of when Jesus says the way to destruction is broad. It's like one of those people movers. It's like maybe twice the size of the other one, and everybody is on it. And when you get on one of those, you can even walk and go faster, and that's just what people are doing, cruising through life, thinking that they're finding true life. But what they're really doing is Jesus says you're lost, and you're heading to a place where you're outside of the life of God. Now, what he says is when you want to enter the life that is truly life, you have to repent. The Bible word is simply just to turn away. It's almost like when you turn to Jesus, you jump over to the other narrow sidewalk that's going the other way. And now, when you become a Christian, does that mean you're perfect? No. I, I like to envision it this way. You're now on the narrow way that's taking you to eternal life. Sometimes we still, even when we're following Christ, aren't always doing the right thing. It's kind of like being on the sidewalk but going the wrong way. You ever tried to do that? You don't get very far. Overall, God is going to carry you to eternal life. You're already participating in eternal life. Yes, sometimes you do some dumb things that move you in the wrong direction, but overall, God's going to get you where you need to go. And at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, just come to me, come back home, I will get you where you need to go. Uh, you, in another place, Jesus said, just take you, my yoke upon you. Let me teach you how to live life because my way is so much better. Like you can't find eternal life on your own. You can't find it by working harder. If you go back to my analogy of the people mover, if you're on the one that's moving the wrong direction, no matter how many good things you do in life, which would be like kind of trying to go the wrong way on that one, you're never going to end up where you want to go. It's just no way to make up for all the things that we've done wrong in our lives that have broken our lives. But you don't have to. What he's offering you is a clean slate and a fresh start. So when these occurrences pop into your mind and you realize maybe, maybe I ought to explore God. If you're a person who says, I don't even believe in God. I'm not sure I even think he exists. Just entertain the notion that maybe he is there. What if he was? What if he is like what the Bible describes? What if Jesus is accurate in telling you how reality is? How could that change your life if you opened yourself up to that? You know, that's where true life starts. That's where the celebrating begins. Before Jesus told the story of the, the lost boy, he told two other stories, and you can find them in Luke 15. He told a story about a man who had 100 sheep, and one of them wandered off, and the guy went out, and he left 99 sheep to go find one that was lost. When he found it, he brought it back home, and he invited all of his friends and neighbors and family to come over and have a celebration, which sounds weird to me, but I've not raised sheep. Apparently, in that culture, if you lost a sheep and found it, you would throw a party because this is a big deal to find a lost sheep. At the end of that story, Jesus gave the application, Luke 15, 7. He said, look, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Heaven throws a party when people come back home to God. And then he told another story about a woman who had 10 coins, and she lost one of those, and she searched the whole house frantically till she found it. This would be like losing your wedding ring and looking for the diamond anywhere and everywhere. And when she found it, she invited all of her friends to come over, and they had a celebration. And this is the conclusion Jesus gave there. In the same way, there's such joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And then, of course, Jesus follows those two stories up with the story of the lost boy making it abundantly clear what God the Heavenly Father thinks about each one of us. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He doesn't wish you would just go away. The heartbeat of our Heavenly Father is for you to come home. And when you do, heaven throws a party. It's an amazing thing. It says this at the end of Jesus' story. Remember, this is Jesus telling us the 
the thoughts of God. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found and the party began. Hey, I'm telling you what, when you find your way to God, there is going to be a celebration and we'll celebrate with you, all of us. If you are somebody who's already come back to God, there was a celebration on the day and the moment when you gave your life to Jesus and you need to share that with other people. Uh, this is Danielle Strickland. She, for many years, worked with the Salvation Army in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. She worked in a mission in one of the worst neighborhoods. There was a, and she tells a story about a couple of interns that worked with her there, uh, Rob and Heather. They met there. They decided to get married to one another. They thought it would be exciting if they went back to where they interned and had the wedding in the very place that they first met. Now, this center is at the intersection of Maine and Hastings, and there's an alleyway behind it. They ironically actually met in this alley. Everybody there doesn't call it uh, Maine and Hastings. They call it Pain and Wastings. Got a Google Street view of that alley. You can see what that looked like. It's just a dark, horrible, dingy, dirty, drug-infested alley where just people who are homeless and addicted and don't have anywhere else to go end up. And that's the place that Rob and Heather chose to have their wedding. I don't see any problem with this at all, do you? When the mother-in-laws got over it, they kind of said, okay, we're going to do this. Everybody in their community pulled together, all the staff, and they, they like, so somebody power washed the neighborhood, the, the alleyway out. Somebody else put a red carpet down. The day they were getting married, they're in their beautiful wedding attire. The wedding party is there. Everyone is packed into the alleyway. There's a little girl with a dress, and she had a basket full of rose petals. She's throwing them out and saying, there's a wedding. And Rob and Heather are making their way in and said, yeah, there's a wedding, and you all are invited. And all these um, drug-addicted people and um, homeless people, mentally ill people, and just people with just, they're like, what? There's a wedding and we're invited? We're not usually on the list. So all these people are cramming into the alleyway. There's people who are nicely dressed and there's people who are just like cross-eyed and sleeping one off and they're all having this, it's just a beautiful thing. There's a string quartet playing. So Danielle was in the middle of doing the vows for Rob and Heather. They were standing next to a dumpster, and just in the middle of the vows, they heard this creak. And there was a guy in the dumpster, and he had just kind of raised up, and he was looking around. His eyes were huge, and Danielle said, he just said, holy bleep, <laughs> creak. He just went back down into the dumpster. And everybody who was there part of the wedding, they're like, they know what it's like there. They've worked there. They served in this mission. So they just kind of laughed it off. And Danielle finished the, the vows and they got married. And Rob and Heather, they, everybody, they had a reception in the mission itself. So everybody went around and went in. Danielle was out there in the alley and she thought, she went over to the dumpster and she knocked. And what do you say? Oscar? <laughs> Creak. The guy comes back up and she said, hey, I just want you to know something. This this was real. She said, I could just imagine it. Like tomorrow, the guy is with all his other drug-addicted guy friends, and he's like, you will not believe the trip I had yesterday. I thought I was at a wedding. So she's like, I just wanted him to know he really was there. So she said, this really happened. There was a wedding in your alley at your dumpster. And then she said, I want you to know, there's a reception going on right in here. There's food, and there's music, and there's cake. You're invited. You've already been to the wedding. You might as well come on in. And I think that may be a picture of the celebration that God has in mind for us. You get a glimpse of something far more beautiful than the life you're living. And God says to you, look, there's a party and you're invited. In fact, you can be the guest of honor. 
We want you to be there. You know, Connection, if you're watching this and you are a Connection member, you know that this is why we exist. We exist to connect people to God and each other through Jesus. We exist to invite people, no matter where they are, no matter how far they've gone from God, to come back home to God. And we, we just exist to tell our story. Look, here's what God has done with my life. Maybe you've wandered far, maybe you haven't gone far at all, but we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all need Jesus to save us. You have a story to tell of what God has done in your life if you have accepted Jesus. Other people around you need to hear it. You live with people who are distant from God. You, you work with people. You live in a neighborhood with people. You go to school with people who need Jesus. They need to hear from you. You need to be bold enough to tell your story. And I'll tell you this, if you are far from God now and you're starting to awaken to the realization that there really is a God and that Jesus is telling the truth and you need to do something, go ahead and be bold enough to just step forward and do something with that. Don't, don't push this off. When you're having those awakenings, those are invitations from God. And the longer you stay away from home, just the longer you're going to suffer needlessly because there is life and God wants you to be part of it. Think about a story, a true story that Pastor Dave Ferguson tells about a guy in his church. His name's Lane Hunter. Lane was an influential businessman who had, uh, Dave met him because he started coming to his church. Lane was one of those guys who was type A, really driven. And he worked hard and put himself in, like the last business he was part of, he was hired as the CEO. They were a $100 million business. He grew it to a $9 billion business. And the only reason he stepped away was he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. That's actually how Lane met Dave. Was Lane, at that point when he was diagnosed, realized that there was something missing in his life. And he came to, in the quiet and the solitude of not going to work anymore, realized that maybe the reason he was so driven and pushed himself so hard at work was just to push some of these other questions of his life aside. But now he couldn't anymore. And he remembered that when he was a child, he'd gone to church, so he thought perhaps there would be some answers there. He went to Dave's church, actually ended up moving towards God, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. And he had called Dave and invited him to come over to the house because at this point in his life, he was on hospice. They just delivered a hospice bed. And so Dave sat down with him and Lane said, here, I want to just go over what I want you to say at my memorial service. And I'm able to share this with you because Lane gave Dave permission to share his story. And he said, um, you know, from the time that I got sick, I want you to say this at my memorial service. From the time I got sick, it refocused me and it caused me to find my way back to God. And now I feel so close to God. I'd give up everything for what I have now. Now, at the time that I heard Dave tell this story, Dave said I never got to use those sermon notes at his memorial service because it was like 10 years later and Lane still hadn't passed away. He still was alive. Now, that's not to say his life was perfect. He struggled with pain every single day. But... All this time now, Lane has been able to use his story of being far from God and now close to God to help other people move closer to God. And he's been such an encouragement to so many people. I want you to hear Lane's words as he says, this is his purpose in life. He, and he challenges us, listen to this. Each one of us have friends that are dealing with problems, whether they be divorce or financial problems or children's problems, you name it, they've got it. If we pray to God and ask him to help us become messengers for him, by giving us the right words to say or to write and to reach out to people, we can help people find their way to God. My plan is to do this for the rest of my life until the day I die. I want you to know this, that God is reaching out to you. He reached out to Lane. He's reached out to me. And the only thing that stands between you and the life that is really life 
is your willingness to turn to Jesus. When he says simply repent, you know what gets in the way of that? Pride, guilt, shame, fear. But none of those things should keep you from turning to God. Now, on the other side of that, if you are part of God's family, you and I have an obligation to share that, the good news of what God has done in our lives. And I want you to know something. Wherever you are today, you can take a step closer to God. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, and I want you to have a conversation with God because there's something that he wants you to do, and you know it, and maybe you're resisting him. Maybe for you it's to actually take a step forward and to say yes to Jesus in your life. And you need to take that next step. Maybe for you, it's you know that you've got a story. You've got some work that God's done in your life. And there's somebody who needs to hear it. You need to find the courage and the boldness to, to look for the opportunity and the boldness to share it. You know, don't be a jerk about it. You want to pray. You want to look for open doors for the opportunity to share, to invite. But when it comes, step forward and speak. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me a confidence that with you, I can have a brand new life. Let's talk to God right now. Father, I do thank you for the life that you give us. It's true life. Jesus, thank you for you know, sacrificing your life so that we could have eternal life. We trust you. We believe you're telling the truth. Maybe even for you, Father, you see people who are just struggling with this. Will you just make yourself real to them? Holy Spirit, will you move people's hearts so that they will say yes to Jesus? Help us as a church to be open to anyone who's moving towards you. Help us to be a church that celebrates when people say yes to Jesus. And we, we certainly look to you for everything. When we fear, when we doubt, when we're discouraged, we're just asking you to be the strength in our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us online today. I'm so glad that you took this step. But we're not about standing still here at Connection. We always want to move ourselves towards the next step closer to God. For you, maybe the decision you need to make and the step you need to take is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're here to help you do that. You know, the Bible says in Acts 2.38 that those who want to accept Christ need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's a decision that you're ready to make, people who say yes to Jesus do say yes to baptism. We're here to help you do that. Maybe another step that you need to take is to begin being generous. Connection has a core value of generosity with our community and our world. If you're ready to do that, just scroll down to the giving link and we make it easy for you to do that. Again, I'm so glad you joined us. If you've got any questions, comments, concerns, prayer needs, just scroll down, use that online connect card and communicate with us. And God bless.